Today's uh, topic is uh, based on the Simon Reish Lamed Hay, uh, particularly the Sifim Chof and the Chof Aleph, relating uh, to uh, the uh, inability of a shota as a legal matter to effectuate a, a transaction uh, and how that uh, relates uh, to uh, many different uh, types of uh, transactions uh, that uh, we deal with nowadays, uh, particularly uh, in terms of uh, evaluating a person's mental capacity for a get or for a tzava, uh, where uh, very often there's uh, a question as to whether a person had the uh, sufficient uh, mental uh, clarity uh, and uh, uh, state of mind uh, to uh, be able to dispose of assets, uh, particularly when dealing with uh, sick uh, people who may be very vulnerable. And um, related to that is the affection, the effect of coercion or undue influence on the validity of uh, transactions. And again, this comes up a lot nowadays uh, with respect to, to charges that a person suddenly, uh, right before they died, made a change in their will and uh, the question is, uh, was that uh, done uh, with uh, sufficient clarity of uh, mind and, uh, uh, and uh, mental uh, capacity in order to uh, be considered to, to be valid? These are two different issues. You could poten- potentially coerce uh, somebody who has a full mental capacity into doing something they don't want to do. That's the whole sugi of Tayyu of Izovin on some level. When is that good? When is that not good? Uh, and um, uh, there, you, you could have somebody who is deemed a shote from a halakhic perspective where we're not going to honor uh, the validity of a transaction, even if the person seems like they know exactly what they're doing, uh, simply because uh, there's a halakha uh, that uh, a shote is mufka on some level uh, from being able to effectuate the proper transactions. And with many of these shilas that come up nowadays, and there isn't really necessarily a clear sense of direction. There isn't a, a, a simon in Shulchan Aruch that specifically deals with undue influence uh, for uh, elderly, frail individuals. Uh, but these questions come up uh, on a pretty regular basis. And I wanted to explore some of the uh, classical mikoros uh, when it comes to these things in order to figure out how it would be applied uh, when it comes uh, to these uh, to, to these shilas. Yes, yes. Now, it also, uh, a related question is uh, with respect to the responsibility of uh, guardians, uh, people who are either explicitly appointed through power of attorney uh, or who are just uh, sort of mimela, uh, end up being uh, the caretakers of elderly uh, parents or uh, relatives. Uh, sometimes even uh, non-relatives with, uh, who may not uh, necessarily uh, have uh, people in their family who can take care of them. And the question of uh, when uh, is it appropriate uh, to uh, handle the assets of a, a, a mentally incapacitated uh, individual as they get older and what are the responsibilities um, in terms of handling the assets of those uh, those individuals. Also, something which would be a modern-day application of what we call um, halakhic elder law, 
what are the, the parameters? Uh, the, the Gemara speaks about apotropis in a variety of contexts, including with respect to Yusomim, but in uh, the uh, in this um, uh, context, uh, we also have the notion of apotropism uh, when it comes uh, to an individual who is uh, who is a shota as well. Uh, now, uh, the, the if you look at the first few sources, uh, we have uh, both a, a basis for apotropsis when it comes uh, to uh, an individual can't take care of themselves. And this is the Gemarim Subastaf Memchesam and Aleph, Amabuchistam, Marukva, Mishnishtate, Bezin Yodin and Chosov, somebody who is a, is a Shote, uh, who is mentally deranged or incapacitated. Uh, then the Bezdin uh, supervises that person's assets, take care of all of these uh, different, uh, take care of the family, uh, these individuals, the, the wife and the, and the daughters and the, the sons, and the Dover Acher, what's the Dover Acher? So the Dover Acher is referring to either a Takshit or a Tzaka, uh, that uh, if it, there was uh, this person generally gave jewelry to their wife, so then we say we continue that practice. The opinion who says uh, that you do that, you certainly would give tzaka, and uh, the, the um, uh, that's that's the well. There there is a, a contradiction uh, because there's a brisa that says that a person who goes to Medina Sayam and the wife asks for mizono, so the bezdin. Uh, does, uh, takes care of uh, the wife of Benat of Benoisav and doesn't take care of Dover Acher. So the question is, when we're excluding Dover Acher, what are we excluding when we're dealing with just a person who happens uh, to be in a different location? So one opinion says uh, that we are, we're excluding uh, we're excluding tzedakah. Uh, so if you say you're excluding tzedakah, that's because the assumption is when a person goes away, they're giving stock in their new location. But the takshit, the jewelry for the wife, they want the wife to look nice. Um, so that for sure you would give. If you would give a stalker, so for sure you're going to give a, a takshit uh, anyway. Um, the only question is whether you're giving stalker or not for a person who is in a different location. Maybe they're giving stalker there, but if a person's a shota, so then it would extend even to stalker. That's source one. Source two is Ksubastav Chopam and Aleph, which deals with a fellow Barshatya who uh, was sometimes uh, deranged and sometimes he was perfectly normal. It was a Shiloh whether when he uh, sold his property whether he was deranged or normal during that period of time. There was a contradiction in testimony of two different sets of witnesses. So the Gemara says, Barshatya appropriately named, right? He was called Barshatya because he was sometimes a Shote. They called him uh, whatever. Um, if you can address what I thought. Yeah. I know Shote, as a psychiatrist, no Shote can become a different thing. Let's assume for a moment someone was psychotic. Could we, are, is there any capacity for insisting that the individual take the medication to clear the psychosis so they can then be brought by the adjudicate the bill or whatever? I mean, is there any way to demand we do that? Because sometimes people say, how rather not take the medication? It's very difficult to force people to take medication if that's uh, the, the, the question. Obviously, if a person is on their medication, then that is a good way to be eaten column when they're on their medication. Uh, this is uh, what, what uh, sometimes you have with people who suffer from, let's say, paranoid schizophrenia, that uh, they're taking their medication. They can be uh, basically, they could be okay, a little bit more stable, not 100%, but a little bit more um, more stable. And they're off their medication. Everything can go completely haywire. But uh, you get a person in that condition who's refusing to take their medication 
could have all the king's horses and all the king's men, and it could be extremely difficult to, to, to get the person to take their, their, their medication. You have a person, whether they're bipolar or have a schizophrenia or whatever it is, where they could be stabilized through medication, they're taking the medication, that's it, it's in column. But uh, look, I'm not a, a mental health specialist, but there's a few cases that I know, even in terms of marriages that break up, often they break up when a person stop, refuses to continue taking their medication. It's not such an easy thing. We talk about forcing someone to take a medication. I don't know to what degree uh, we, we, we put people in, in straitjackets, but certainly what, what, once a person is taking their medication, they're more likely to be, uh, to be hollow. But what we see from the sugya of Barashatya is uh, that uh, sometimes you can have a person who goes back and forth, but if it's unclear, because you have contradictory aidum, it might be unclear in other ways. So Gemara establishes a very important principle and that important principle is uh, that we uh, keep the, that when there is a suffix, uh, so then we are uki nechasim then we say that uh, the assets uh, remain in, in their original estate. Now, this is going to be important and significant. Oh, so maybe I should put this. Uh, I, I have to remember how to do this. Maybe I'll, I'll put it on something. Hold on. All right, are you able to hear me now? I'm speaking really loudly. Okay, fine. Maybe there was a problem with his connection. I don't think that I'm speaking softly. But I'm really... That was my phone. That's my phone. So it's the white owl here. Oh, so it's the white owl. Okay, you want to bring the white owl closer to me? Okay. All right. Okay. No problem at all. Okay. I apologize for those who weren't able to uh, to hear me. What? I didn't say that much so far. Um, so these, in any way, with respect, in any event, with respect to Barshatya. So uh, he was uh, sometimes a shota, sometimes not. Uh, so now the uh, Tosas just points out uh, that uh, this is only with respect to what hasn't already been given away. Like Karka, we say, is uh, not considered to really have been transferred. But when we're dealing with metaltalim, so then it's considered becheskas amuksak if something was already given away. This is relevant with respect uh, to uh, determinations of tzavos uh, when it comes uh, to a question as to whether a will is valid as to whether we're speaking about before the assets have been given away or after the assets have been giving or given away. The assets have already been given away, so then it's a, there's going to be more of a presumption, uh, according to this, uh, when there's a, a question about mental capacity in favor of those who already received the assets. But if it's a question of now the disposition of the assets, whether to honor a will that a person made when maybe they were mentally incapacitated, uh, so we'll see that there are a number of posts, Kim, who say, well, in questions of doubt, uh, so then we have to just uh, assume that uh, things are the way that they had been beforehand, and we're not going to respect uh, any uh, change in the, in, the, in the disposition. But a lot of the discussion is, when do I even say that it's considered to be a doubt, and to what degree do I have a presumption that unless it's been determined otherwise, a person is not a shota, or a person uh, is not uh, considered to be uh, under uh, undue uh, duress. Uh, so the uh, the Shulchan Aruch um, simply codifies these Gemaras. Uh, number one, Shote, like in the case of Barshatya, Emecha Mecha, Kleimemko, Memka, Vema, Tenosa, Chayamos, 
uh, it's not considered like he has any ability to effectuate a, a Kenyan, and the same would apply with respect to, to the Yitin and, and, and Kiddushin as well. Um, and then Halacha, and then Sifkof Aleph deals with the person who's back and forth, Mishu Eishotev Eishapoi, like the Nichpin, it used to be the epileptics would go back and forth between being of sound mind and not being of a sound mind. So then it really depends. You have to determine when they made a transaction. Was that during a time that they were of a sound mind or not a sound mind? And if I, there's a question, like a contradiction between two sets of witnesses, the Ramah brings uh, the distinction between Metaltolin and Karka, that Karka is Becheskas HaMocher, and Metaltolin would be Becheskas HaMachazik. So the, the one thing that's not spelled out here in the Shulchan Aruch, in the sources that I quoted thus far, is what's the definition of Shote? Uh, the Rambam, in all of Mishnah Torah, he discusses Shote a number of places. In the context of Mecca Chomemke, he discusses it in Hilchus Mechiva, Perek Test. But in terms of uh, spelling out what a Shote really means, he only spells it out curiously towards the very end of the Mishnah Torah in Hilchus Edus. You know, maybe he figured, oh, I forgot to spell it out. I better take care. But no, we assume that the Rambam had a uh, specific um, idea in mind as to why he waited until Hilchus Edus to, uh, to to place the definition of uh, of Shoteh. And the question in part also is, how do we uh, apply the definition in light of the Gemara in Chagiga? The Gemara in Chagiga speaks about three very specific manifestations of Shoteh. Yotze Yechid a person who goes out alone at night. Olan Kisuso. And, uh, um, and then you have a machlokis as to whether you need all three, whether it's cumulative between Rav Hunahot says cumulative, and Rabbi Yochanan says mihen. Even one of them is considered to be uh, sufficient. By the time you get to the end of the Gemara, um, you have uh, the uh, additional uh, uh, brisa which says Ezu which indicates that if a person has a particularly serious condition that can't be explained away at all, they just destroy everything that comes into their possession. Um, so then that is sufficient for them to be a shota. It seems to support Rabbi Yochanan, and even Rafuna would not disagree with that. Bryce, a question as to whether Rafuna would then retract from his opinion that the other three cases are cumulative or not. But in the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because we paskin. Uh, like in Shulchan Aruch, we paskin like Rabbi Yochanan. Rambam paskins like Rabbi Yochanan. Shulchan Aruch paskins like Rabbi Yochanan. That even if it is only one manifestation, but the Rambam seems to go even further than that. And the Rambam holds that the list, which is in the Mara Chagiga, Mara Chagiga, asks the question: If a person's going out at night because they just don't want to get fresh air, so why would that make them a shotes? We say no, it's derech shtus. Um, so that's really what we're talking about. If it's clearly derech shtus, so, so nobody should disagree that it makes them into a shot. It's a question of if it's a, some sort of a fashion that appears to be derech shtus, but I have uh, some limud schus as to why I might be able to claim that it's not limud, uh, that it's not uh, considered uh, to uh, be um, uh, to, to, to be derech shtus. So that's where you have the machlokus, whether you need all three or you only need one. And we paskin like a Rabbi Yochanan, that if the way that it's done on its face appears to be derech shtus, um, so then the person is considered to be a shota. But then there's a separate question as to whether the list is non-exclusive or whether it's exclusive. Is it only these three or four things? Or is it anything that a person might do which is considered to be derech shtus? So like, um, for example, uh, a person is mahalich orum, a person walks around naked, or a person's zorek avonim, they throw, uh, they throw stones. 
Those are not uh, categories that, that are specifically delineated in the Gemara and Chagiga, but the Ramam delineates those categories. So the Ramam clearly holds that the list is non-exclusive and that any type of manifestation of a person who behaves in a very uh, weird, irrational, irregular way uh, would make them into a shota, and he says he's possible aidus. Now, does the Ramam say that he is that this type of shota is Hustle in terms of any transactions that he conducts. Well, we know that from the Rambam elsewhere, but here the Rambam doesn't say no. He's puzzled for transactions because he's not a ben das. He says lefisha eno ben mitzvos, which is also a peculiar formulation uh, because uh, you you figure that the Rambam would start with saying, well, he's not a ben das. If he's not a ben das, therefore he's not a ben mitzvos. But he says no, he's not a uh, he's not a ben mitzvos. And then he says, in all of any type of manifestation, anybody who has a regular type of irrational behavior, even though he sounds like he's very normal, and you might think that he can conduct business, because when he's in the boardroom, he sounds very normal. He says, no. He's considered to be he's considered to be a shoter. Then he brings uh, the case of the person who's itim kolim itim shoyte, like the the uh, then like the nechpa, uh, and uh, that's uh, the first part of the Rambam. Before we get to the second part of the Rambam, which is uh, very very uh, important, so there are many chuvos, particularly with respect to the giving of a get, like the case of the get from Cleves with a fellow who was a paranoid person, and he gave a get, and the question was whether the get is valid or not valid. Focus on these uh, the question of uh, the proper interpretation of uh, the halacha. Um, when exactly is somebody considered to be a, a shote? Because if somebody is a shote, the halacha is that a, a, a shote uh, can't give a get. It's not considered to be a valid get. You know, the Behuda in the case of the get from Cleves held that you need actual masim. You need for the uh, person to. Do we have anybody on the Zoom anymore? So is it because it just didn't, uh, the connection must have just not been good? Yeah, all right, no, no. Um, so the know the Behuda held that you need uh, you need masim. In order to passel somebody, you need uh, for there to be, uh, like the Gemara mentions, like the Rama mentions, the person is uh, committing very strange actions as opposed to the person just kind of talks funny and has weird ideas uh, about himself. That doesn't necessarily passel. That's a question mark. And nowadays, uh, the analysis is often in a different direction in terms of a, an evaluation of whether there is a kiddushé tos in cases where you have a man who's refusing uh, to give a get. So if he's a shote, we'd be in serious trouble um, because he wouldn't be able to give a get. But the shaila is whether when I'm dealing with uh, somebody who is uh, an extremely uh, strange uh, bird, whether I say that he was, uh, he's so strange that I would mag him as a shota and that he was a shota at the time that he got married. Because Ramosha Feinstein has a chuva that says that if it turns out that a fellow was a shota at the time that he got married and the woman didn't know about it. So then we say that she got married under mistaken pretenses. No woman would marry a man if she knew that she, he was a shota. And then the marriage is null and void and she doesn't need a get. And uh, you have uh, these uh, questions as to, uh, if the, the man never went to a doctor or never went to a psychiatrist to be evaluated, so you have no way of putting a name on his strange behavior. We had a case in the Besden in the round uh, seven years ago or so of a fellow who was uh, walking on uh, the uh, FDR drive 
naked. Uh, he, he, he suffered from some serious bipolar disorder, and uh, I don't know why he was walking around uh, naked, but uh, he was just uh, in a state of um, some type of uh, psychosis. Um, and uh, the question was, the woman knew when she married him that he had bipolar, but she was under the impression that he was taking his medication. We had Adim that testified that he had told them that he wasn't taking his medication, getting to your uh, issue, Dr. Cooper, a little bit. Uh, so uh, there was a question, does that constitute Kedusha Tos? And uh, we tried to explore it at the time, and uh, there's a lot of nervousness about uh, coming to that type of a conclusion, particularly because we didn't know if he was, uh, we knew he wasn't taking his medication, but he wasn't necessarily in this level of a psychosis at the time that he got married. Rabbi Willig and I were mentored with a psychiatrist from the, the Riverdale community who spoke to us about the possibility of doing what's called a psychological autopsy, if I remember the, the terminology, where based on the person's subsequent behavior, you could sort of figure out retroactively uh, what uh, their state of uh, mind and condition was at the time of marriage. And we tried to do some research on that. It's still a little bit um, nebulous and murky, and uh, the details need to be uh, need to be worked out. Um, but um, a lot of the evaluation today is on that end of the equation, as opposed to is the person capable of giving a get? Often you're dealing with people who are refusing to give a get. That's part of their shtosa, shall we say, the question of whether the marriage was, uh, was valid uh, to, to begin with. So there are a couple of interesting things that stand out just from the sugi itself. Number one is that you have Rashi uh, in terms of when the Gemara speaks of how some of these behaviors could potentially be explained away. And, uh, with the, uh, and the Gemara uh, talks about how uh, when a person is uh, sort of uh, running, uh, running around uh, Belilah uh, by himself, uh, so the Gemara uses a term that Amor uh, maybe the person was seized by Gandrifus, and uh, therefore we don't know necessarily uh, that uh, the uh, that the person is uh, for sure a is for sure a shote. Uh, that's uh, kind of uh, a little bit uh, of a question. Are we done the kafskus when the person does this So let's say I know for sure that the person did it because of Gandrifus. So then the Gemara seems to indicate, so then the person wouldn't be a shota. What's Gandrifus? Some say he, th- he thinks he's a werewolf. But Rashi says something a little different. Rashi says, Ani shamati, uh, daga. A person that he's so depressed that, that he's, a, he's anxious and he's nervous and he suffers from depression. So he walks around uh, by himself at night uh, just in a way, as a way of running away from his uh, depression or dealing with it. Um, and he brings a different shot that maybe he uh, has a high fever and therefore he needs uh, to be in an airy place to, just to treat his fever. But he says, Anishamati, Cholia Oches Mitoch Daga. So there's a question uh, from Rashi. Uh, some of uh, the uh, later posts can say that mere depression alone, even if it causes a person to be non functional, does not put them into the category of Shotif. We know that it's sort of their non functionality doesn't come from any kind of psychosis or per se or mental derangement, but just because they're depressed. If you look at the Yorach HaShokhan source, Chav Ches, on page 12. Depression does It can, but then the question is, how do we, de- how do, do we define that? And we'll get to that in a moment. The Yorach HaShokhan says, Bali It's to know what the Yorach HaShokhan says. The person just very depressed, but he doesn't do things of shigon, at least things that can't be explained away. 
they just sit like a stone wall. The Chokim Mechaburas and Nashim don't interact with anybody. They have no appetite. Um, and but if you give them food, they'll eat it. And they don't. They They don't start a conversation. But if you talk to them, they'll respond to you. Maybe in monosyllables, but they'll respond to you a little bit. So he says that love. Do we treat them like a shoyte or not? This is the Yerach Hashok and Hilchas Gittin in Simen Kov Kopalop. In Eren Ezer, he says, L'fiyah Zavara, Eimazeh Simon Ishtus, Elamachlas Ha'atzvus. He says, I don't think that this counts as Shtus. This is just a, an illness. People have illnesses. You can have bronchitis. The person has depression. Bovad. V'tali Bereas, Eine Abez, and Lavin Dachov, Lilosav. The Bezin has to make a determination. And he brings as a raya that it's not considered to be a sign of Shota. This very Rashi. But the Rashi says, oh, I heard that the, the one way in which we would say that it doesn't constitute shtus to walk alone at night is when the person is suffering from a holy oges mitokadaga. So it appears from there that it's not a, a, a sign of being a shot. Zalmanachem Yagoberg in the, uh, the journal of Hayasha Be'atov was asked uh, this, uh, this question, whether a depressed person is considered to be a shota, And his answer is very straightforward um, the, along the lines of what you were suggesting. If he doesn't do a ma'isushtus, so then he's not considered to be a shote. However, he would fall into a different category potentially if the depressed person seems to be very non-functional and hardly communicative and not necessarily in touch with what's going on in the world. He falls into the next category. What's the next category? That's what the Ramam speaks about in his second halacha. That's the category of pesi, and we'll get to that more in just a moment. But otherwise, he says not unless he does a ma'isushtus. If he does a ma'isishtus, um, so then he's, he says there is a shita that says that even if he would do a ma'isishtus, and this is clearly not the Yerach HaShokhan, because the Yerach HaShokhan says that we're dealing with uh, somebody she'enos in klum dvar mishel shigon, but he says there are some opinions who would say that we still would treat it as a just even the ma'isishtus is something which comes from the sadness itself. Um, presumably he's talking about more than just walking alone at night, but other types of uh, ma'isishtus. And since it's treatable, since you could take medication for it, you could be treated. So therefore, we wouldn't view it as shota. But he disagrees. Uzzam Nechemia disagrees. And he says, no, if the person's doing a ma'isishtus, then he's a shota. Now, if he's treated with medicine, so then I could say he's not a shota all the time. He could be like the Nechma case. He could be itim chole, the itim shota. When he's doing the crazy things, it's because he's not on his medication. So maybe we treat him as a shota then. And if he's taking his medication, he's not doing the crazy things. So then we would treat him as a cholam. We would treat him as somebody who's healthy um, at that point in time. Now, in addition to the Rashi, yes. Rabbeinu Simcha Mishapira is of the opinion that Shota is limited solely to the categories that are listed in the Gemara. But he was out of, yeah, he would, so, so, so he would say that's fine, because it's not mentioned, it's not mentioned in the Gemara. So he'd say that doesn't make you into a Shota, only those things that are in the Gemara. But we, but we don't hold like Rabbeinu Simcha. There's a long discussion, the base Yosef about it, says that the, the majority of Bishonim hold like the Ramam, and that's the way that we assume the Halacha. But there is, there is a Shita like that. And, there are, as we will see, God willing, um, like Sam Sofer does distinguish between the cases that are specifically spelled out. He says there must be some significance to the fact that certain cases were mentioned in the Gemara and certain cases were not. So he says that, that we are going to ascribe a certain significance to that in terms of uh, the generalizations that we're going to make from the person's uh, behavior. Now, if we look at Tatosos in Source Fest, page two, yes? Again, with the Isimanim, 
superhero just wants reaction like as opposed to what the person thought would be. I would think that I would want I would want to have a litmus test to understand right from wrong, to understand the interactions, you know, that type of thing. And then the, and then the actions after the reactions after which be symptomatic of that. But to have a witness test is the person's thinking, you know, like people with the problems in the figure for like, did he think his mother is a, you know, a bird, you know, or something like that. Yeah, walking around at night, again, 25 normal reasons why that Correct. It's a question as to whether they're doing it uh, So that's also a part of uh, that we're looking for actions uh, that uh, the person, when we say he's walking around at night, so he's going to be walking around at night in uh, a way that the, the Gemara says is uh, he's not just stam walking, but he's walking in a very, very peculiar type of, uh, of fashion. Uh, not somebody who's uh, walking and uh, he's uh, just the uh, Kaisering Mishnayus, but uh, he's uh, sort of zigzagging, jumping up and down, skipping, hopping, going up, walking backwards, doing somersaults, uh, saying, you know, crazy things like somebody on drugs, whatever. You know, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's a derech you, you, you know it when you see it, to quote Potter Stewart, in terms of when these actions are being done in a fashion of a derech Now, if you take a... But, uh, but, but generally speaking, we'll assume if a person's not doing things that are derech shtus, then they're of sound mind. Sometimes a person's not going to be, it's not going to be so clear that they're of sound mind because they were selling nishtatek. That's the case in Misha Akso. person who's nishtatek suddenly stops speaking. So we don't know, is it because they have a very bad case of laryngitis or is it because something happened to their brain that they're not able to process things properly? So then we are going to do a test. Then we do tests and we ask them questions and we see if they shake their head. Kirkin Rose show to answer yes and the right questions and no and the right questions. So we are going to conduct that test uh, under those uh, under those circumstances. But otherwise, the assumption is uh, that the person uh, is normal. Now, a uh, person. Also, but, but yeah. Rambam includes the definition that the Gemara and is talking about what all definitions of. So that's a very good question. Rashi says yes. Rashi says Ezu show to take a look at Sor Zion. That this person would be exempt from mitzvahs and is incapable of doing a valid kinyan. That's correct. There's one definition that fits all um, with respect to all matters, as Rashi explains it. Now, Tosos brings in another important point, uh, depending on how you understand Tosos. So Tosos says uh, that uh, maybe... He said, if it's derech shtos, if we know for sure it's derech shtos, and there's no even far-fetched explanation you could come up with, so everybody would agree that even with one of these uh, t- symptoms uh, that the person performs, it would make them into a shota. So he says, why not treat it like a um, a, a muad, an animal that's a muad, that we say, if you're nogok sure, you're not necessarily a muad for a chamor. And in order to be a muad for all three, you got to do all three, shor of a chamor v'gamol. Only then is the person, is the animal nas a muad l'kol. So he says, no, the hakalodami, the hakakimishu shotev achas, since the person is a crazy man, when it comes to one thing, bada yesh la chaziko, the chazcheska shotev the choldava. So with maxikim is a shotev for everything. So you could say, okay, so he's a shotev for everything. As the true sure would say, the end of story, but the way in which this is learned by uh, um, Moshe Feinstein and, uh, and others uh, is that the lotion of Tosos Yesh lachaziko means it's a rebuttable presumption. Lachaziko, you could there where it's a rebuttable presumption. It's a shofil, shotel dover echot. But if you can prove that he's not a shotel for everything, um, so then I'm only going to treat him as a shotel with respect to this one thing. 
uh, but not necessarily with respect to not necessarily with respect to other things. So this is what. It depends. So we'll see. That it, 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 it depends on what is that Dabar Echad. So the Chsam Sofer talks about this. But before we get to that, I want to just deal with the second category of the Rambam because part of the question that you have to ask in every single, um, uh, in every single case is whether uh, the person is really a Shota or whether the person is just feeble-minded, whether there's uh, something that uh, what's not normal about the person is not that he's deranged, but he's just very feeble-minded. That's the category of pesi. Um, if I would say that I'm dealing with a rebuttable uh, chazaka, so the big chiddush there, the one who uh, had uh, the the biggest kula was Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein had his case. Uh, this is uh, source um, Yud Aleph on page five of the person who thought he was Mashiach. He thought it was Mashiach, and uh, he was doing a lot of strange things based on the assumption he's Mashiach, because he thought he's like Adam Arishon Kodem Achet. Adam Arishon Kodem Achet didn't wear any clothing. So he's parading around naked because he's Mashiach. So the Moshe Feinstein said, that's not a shota. It's very reasonable if you think that you're like Adam Arishon Kodem Achet. Of course, he should walk around naked. So it didn't, uh, for what he thought that he was, it was 100%, it was 100% reasonable. Um, so uh, Moshe Feinstein uh, is of uh, the opinion that even if a person is a shota l'dover echad, so it's true. Like the Rashi said that he'd be, and the Ramam says, who's a shota that he's going to be a pata mikola mitzvah shebetayra? That they, they said, well, that's how the Ramam phrased it in Hilchas Edus, right? The Ramam says uh, that the fisha eno ben mitzvos, the shota is pasuladis minatoreshu e fisha eno ben mitzvos. He says, if a person's a shota in one area, Whatever mitzvahs pertain to that area, he's not going to be able to perform, right? So therefore, since he can't perform all tariyag mitzvahs, the Torah doesn't have a notion that a man's going to be chayav in tariyab mitzvahs or tariyab mitzvahs. Either it's all 613 or it's nothing. So he's not able to keep all of the mitzvahs. So he's then he's not, he's putter from all of the mitzvahs. That's what he says. But this has nothing to do with kinyanim. He says as far as kinyanim is concerned, um, if a person is only a shotel adavar echad, the Ramam never ruled out that the person should have the ability um, to effectuate a kinyanim. When it comes to kinyanim, we're just going to then go back to the general definition of is the person a bendas or not. If I see that the person is a bendas, when it comes to kinyanim, he might be put in a mitzvah, like Rav Yosef, um, at one point in time, you know, had heard that Asuma is put mikola mitzvah um, but that didn't, and, uh, and Rabbi, Rabbi Huda was of that opinion, that Asuma is part of Mikola Mitzvah, but we don't find that, that Rabbi Huda held that Asuma couldn't be Torim Truma, for example, a service of Shliach, um, that you could be part of Mikola Mitzvah, and yet nonetheless still be able to effectuate Kinyanim. A non-Jew can effectuate certain Kinyanim, despite the fact that you may have heard he's part of Mitzvah. He's certainly part of Mitzvah, Mitzvah, so Shebet So nonetheless, he says that there doesn't have to be a connection. So he said that if a person's a shotel the davar echad, but he's he very reasonably understands giving again happens in Ramosha's case. The person stopped doing all the crazy things. He went to live with his father on the farm or something, and he was uh, milking cows for a few years, and then finally they were able to convince him to give a get to his wife, and Ramosha convinced him and and jumped on the opportunity, even though it was the middle of the night, uh, to do the get uh, right away, and uh, because it was sort of in an odd situation, Ramosha said, "Oh, we." 
forgot to do certain things and to explain to get to get to get with kosher or whatever uh, but it was uh, sort of a, this um uh, kosher to get the fellow to give a, a get uh, as soon as he agreed to do it but Moshe mentioned in passing he didn't do these uh, these maizim of shtus uh, all the time he had done it in that a few years earlier so you could say there's such a thing that a shota could be cured it doesn't have to be a permanent condition but in this case, the reason why he was still treating him as a shota was because when it came time to give the get, uh, he they still insisted that he was the Mashiach. Um, so he saw that he had not uh, dropped that uh, delusion or grandeur, so to speak, to assume that he was the Mashiach. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Moshe said that as far as Das Kenyan is concerned, so you can have Das Kenyan for all of those areas that are outside of your um, of your uh, uh, um, and so that was uh, that, that was the chiddush that he had over there. And that was Ramosha's chiddush is that I could have a person who's defined as a shote. He's a shote l'davar echad, but he's defined as a shote, and nonetheless his kinyanim can be good. That's an enormous chiddush. But the Ramam gives us another out. The Ramam says that uh, there's another category, and that category are the pesayim v'yoter. So those people who are such incredibly feeble-minded people. They can't tell when there are contradictions between, you know, one thing and another. Like, you know, judges on the International Court of Justice. They just have no basic understanding. They, 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 they lack, you know, just um, your fundamental um, brain power. Um, so, it, so says the Ramam, at least for purposes of Suleidus, he says, so they're considered to be shotim that I can't have them testify. Um, how do you define someone as besayim v'yosef? He says, this is very difficult. I can't put this in writing. I'm the Ramam. I'm very good at putting things in writing. Um, but this is one thing, says the Ramam, I can't put in writing because it require, because it depends upon so many variables and so many nuances. You can't explain, you can't express it in writing. Something that uh, you're not able to put down, uh, to put down, it, it, you have to evaluate every single case uh, separately. So this is sort of a, a very, uh, a very interesting thing. So if you're not inclined to ever be mako by, by, by shote, um, uh, so then the Rambam tells us that there's something which is different from a shote, and that's something which is, um, which is pessy. It means somebody who's a, a very feeble-minded person. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they, uh, the Ramam doesn't say, uh, in this case for sure, uh, outside, this is the only place in the Mishnah Torah where the Ramam mentions the category of Pesi. When he talks about Memker on Einen Memker, when it comes to a Shota in Hilchos Mechira, so the Ramam does not eliminate, he does not exclude uh, Shota, he does not exclude Pesi uh, in that part. I mean, I'm sorry, he does not include Pesi in that particular uh, scenario. So it could be that Pesi is only excluded from Edus, but is not excluded from being able to transact business. Because uh, Pesi, since he's so feeble-minded, I can't trust him to testify because he doesn't put two and two together. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't understand I'm transferring property, that he's transferring property. I'm giving a get that he's giving a get. He might have that basic level of understanding. Sorry? Yeah, but he means Arayla B'Klala Shotim for purposes of Hilchus Edus. You might say, no, he said Arayla B'Klala Shotim for Klala Tarakula. But then I ask you, why did he only put in Hilchus Edus? It says the Marit, huh? I'll tell you why he put it in Hilchus Edus. Because he meant Arayla B'Klala Shotim. This person is considered to be within the category of Shotim when it comes to Hilchus Edus, but not when it comes to anything like that's transactional in Kinyonim. 
where they could potentially uh, understand exactly what they're doing. Now, um, you might say, what do you mean? That's not what the Ramam said. She said, okay, it's not what the Ramam, the Ramam said, he says, well, the Ramam only put it in Hilkosedus. And anyway, even if it's not what, what? No, because the Ramam talks about the Shotim being puzzled from transactions. The Ramam talks about Shotim being incapable of giving again. He does not talk about Pesi. What? No, no, in the, in the rest of Mishnah Torah. In the rest of Mishnah Torah, Shota comes up. This is the only time he defines Shota. But he talks about Shota not being able to do things elsewhere, but he doesn't say in those other places, he doesn't include Pesi as well. So the Ma'arit draws this distinction, and the Torah's Gittin and the Hilchah's Gittin, um, Simon Kofkov Aleph notes that the consensus is really to hold like the Ma'arit. He says the Ma'arit was a very, uh, there was tremendous respect for the Ma'arit. We need to understand in general. Ma'arit said something, people took it very seriously. Uh, so and here as well, you could ask some kashas in the Maharit, okay, but the, the, the but the consensus basically is like uh, the Maharit. And the Ksam Sofer worked with this Maharit as well and also quotes the Maharit and says that, that we would accept the Maharit lahalacha. The Ksam Sofer in source test on page two dealt with a person who had, who suffered from very, very deep depression called melancholy. Melancholy. What the Radak said uh, that, um, that, uh, Shaul Amalek suffered from, right? So he suffered from that melancholy, and he says it causes terrible atzvus, and as a result, he uh, does not speak to anybody, but if you speak to him, so he may shiv kohogin, he's able to respond uh, properly, and uh, because, uh, and, but he had one manifestation of his melancholy. It wasn't just that he was very sad and miserable all the time. He had a terrible temper, a terrible temper. That was one result of his uh, depression, and he was such a terrible temper, I have no idea what these words mean. No idea what these words mean. Um, but it could be that at the time of Sam Sofer wrote it, in the early 1800s, people knew what these words meant, but I have no idea. That his anger was so bad that a number of times he rebelled against his fathers, his ancestors. Oh, he just, his anger was so bad that he rebelled. Against, I, I don't know what the words mean. I don't know what the words mean. But it must mean at the very least, that he had a very fierce and inappropriate temper. It was the, it, the temper came out inappropriate. Maybe he screamed at his at his father, you know, in front of everybody at a simple things that were just very very inappropriate. Things of that variety. I, I assume that's what he's talking about. And the wife was uh, absolutely um, humiliated, uh, but by his um, um, she was mortified by his by his behavior. So she wanted out in the worst way. And finally, he agreed. So now the question is, can we do this get or not? So the Ksam Sofer has a very long arichus, which he quotes the Gemara and Chagiga and the different shitos and everything. And he says, why? Oh, knocked down the water. Why in general, um, the Thank you. So he says, why in general do we distinguish between, do we have these different categories, etc. Okay, cotton, I understand it's a different category is going to become a bandas, but shoten cherish, so if a shoten is no good, so a cherish is no good, so what's the difference between these different categories and why do I need both to say that both are no good? So he says a cherish has a certain level of das. A shoten, we say, because of the craziness of his psychosis, so we don't view a shota as having das, even when he seems to be normal and seems to act as if he has das. But he says that cheresh and pesi are sort of in uh, a separate uh, type of domain. Cheresh is sometimes disqualified from things for other reasons, because he's an enu medabe, enu shomer, but because of the fact that he can't speak, 
So therefore, that's the one reason why he can't render edus, for example, because he can't speak, which doesn't necessarily have to do with das. So that's the reason why we also include a pesi, because a pesi really has even less das than your standard cheresh, yuzenu shomeh ve'enu medabes. So we throw in, when specifically in Hilchas Edus, that it's, um, that the, why the cheresh is excluded because he can't speak. So the pesi, who even, who can speak, but we're going to exclude the pesi because the pesi doesn't have the requisite das. But there's a distinction between these different categories. A shotef, even when he seems to have das, or seems to have some awareness of the situation, he's going to be mufko, he's going to be no good no matter what. With respect to a pesi, with respect to a pesi, it's going to depend on the situation. How much abundance does he have in that situation? I mean, with a cheresh, you have this dinner of Rav Kahana. We may not hold like Rav Kahana, but Rav Kahana says, I have a cheresh who is able to manifest das because he's able to be medaba betoch aksav when he appoints a sofer and adim, so then he, then he can even give a get, according to that opinion, because he's showing that he has das. So we see that at least you can play around with that possibility when you're dealing with, um, when you're dealing with a cheresh, and certainly when you are dealing with a, um, when you're dealing with a pesi. So he says this person, um, is potentially in the category of a pesi. He's potentially in the category of pesi because of the fact that he's not doing, um, actions that are described as a maestros, that he's mostly just somebody who's essentially non-functional. Maybe he has a temper problem. A temper problem, uh, might just be a manifestation of his uh, general inability to interact. As opposed to a, as opposed to a maestros, but even within the category of that, the expanded category of shota that the Ramam speaks about. So if it's not one of the cases that's explicitly mentioned in the Gemara, if the person wasn't muhsuk as doing it three times, um, so, and he only did it, let's say once or twice, so then he wouldn't qualify as a, um, as a shota for kola torakula, and then every single case would be, have to be individually examined. And if it was, let's say, one of the psulim that was in the um, mentioned in the Gemara, where the person did a ma'isah shtus, like he was lan bebeisakvaros, and it was a derech shel shtus that doesn't have any justification. So then, even one time bechumrah, according to certain rishonim, that would make the person as a shote the chol the kula. Um, but the in this case. You have a number of reasons why you can make a, to view the get as valid. Number one, maybe he's only a pesi. Number two, even if he's a shote, maybe he's a shote the davar echad that he's only, which would not be a problem if he didn't do it three times. If it's not a case which was mentioned explicitly by the gemara. And number three, that it was a long time since those um, since the um, events occurred in which he got so angry that he rebelled against his ancestors. Uh, so it could be that he recovered from it. And now he's a cholim with respect to that. So if you take a look at the very end of the tshuva, so the um, the, the, ksab, the, the ksam sofa throws this all together. He says, He didn't really do a maizashtu, except that he rebelled against his uh, fathers. Um, and it could be that he, uh, that he, that he recovered from that. So if he's now nice to his father and father-in-law and whomever else, so he's back to normal. So you'll say, but because of his depression and melancholy, so he has a sort of a low level of das, 
No, when it comes to a low level of das, then we just put him on the level of a pessi. A pessi, we just evaluate on a case by case basis. Does he understand what he's doing or not? The kimin shiodeh maybe ninyan again. since he understands the get, and certainly, even if we would consider the Maisa Merida as like a Shota, since it wasn't three times a Huxak bomb, it has to be even the Lushan of the Ramam is Tumit. He's doing these weird things all the time when he's using his expansive category anyway. And also, it's clear that he was only doing this out of a depression. Um, like uh, the rush that dealt with a person who was acting uh, sort of angrily out of depression. And from the chuva of the rush, I, I had to struggle a little bit to find what the raya was from the rush. But I, I think that because it's not explicit, but I think what the raya is from the rush is that the rush was saying that we can't force this fellow to give a get to his wife because it's not one of the cases of the Gemara where we co- or coerce a fellow to give a get. So it sounds like the rush is assuming that if he would give a get, a get would be valid. So I think that's sort of the unwritten proof. Uh, from quoting the rush, because I looked both in the rush and the tour that quotes the rush, and I didn't see uh, any discussion of how the rush is saying that the person was of sound mind. So I assume that's the nature of the proof when he's quoting the rush. Um, however, he says that he's relying upon the combination of all these considerations. Now, Rabbi Zalman Nechemia Goldberg disagrees with one uh, one thing which is stated by the Sam Sofer, which is not really relevant to our major analysis. And that is, he says, I agree what he said about Pesi, but I don't agree what he said about Cherish. Um, he says that when it comes to Cherish, um, when the Gemara consistently sort of says Cherish, Shota, Vikotan are excluded from certain things, it's a muf, it's a, it's mufkos. That they're completely excluded. Just like when we say, when the Sam Sofa says it's the Shota, even if he understands something, it's, he's not going to be allowed to do it. He's going to be puzzled from doing it. He doesn't have this, uh, Shota, Ladover, Echad idea of emotion, except with respect to the expanded category of the puzzle, what person was in Muksa Gimopalim. Mean, there he does have it. But with respect to somebody who's full-fledged shota, he says it doesn't matter whether he understands other things or not. Um, and the, um, but he says that doesn't apply to Cherish. So says Zaman Nechem, you know, it's not true. Cherish, Eino Medaber, Ve'eino Shomea is excluded 100%. He's excluded from Get as well 100%, um, at least in, in terms of a Daraisa Get. But he says that when Rav Kahana had his din of Cherish, Yochel, Edabim, Mitoch, Aksav, that was a totally, totally different analysis. That was a question of whether Ksiva Kedibur. Because we say a Cherish who is Mindaber is not a Cherish anymore. So he's held, so he held, Rav Kahana held, if a Cherish is able to write, so that's considered to be Mindaber. That's not, that's considered to be Dibur. So he's no longer a Cherish. But if he would have a Dinim, a Cherish to be 100% Mufka. But, uh, he does agree with the analysis with respect to, to Pesi and, uh, see the other, um, uh, the other major authority who came, lived a little bit after the Ksam Sofer, the Ksam Sofer, Died in the 1830s, the, um, the, but the other authority who is most famous uh, for his uh, sort of definition of Pesi, although really the Maharit is the main one who created this the distinction when it comes to Pesi. A Pesi might be Pasul Edus, but still kosher with other, for other Kinyanim, but the one who sort of famously wrote about this, because he wrote a chuva that goes on forever, is the, um, is the Oni Yantiv. So the Oni Yantiv, he, uh, he lived in the, the late part of the, of the 19th century. And the Oni Yantiv was the dealing with a case of a person who was like a block of wood. He was mamish like a golem. He was mamish. This fellow was mamish like a golem. And they somehow tricked this woman into, uh, into marrying him. And uh, she w- w- was going crazy because he, he probably couldn't add two and two. He couldn't add two. He could, 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 couldn't do anything, this fellow. He was, he was, he was just the most uh, dysfunctional individual in the, in the history of the world, basically, like walking around with the creation of the Maharal. Um, and the one thing that uh, she was able to do was uh, to uh, teach, teach him um, uh, to um, uh, that if he would be asked, 
if he wants to give a get to his wife, then he would say, yes, something. You should get. She was able to say, when they say you can give a get, she said, yes. She goes, go, go, so try it right. And finally, she was able to shake him up so he said that, that, that she could get him to do that. And they took care of a get. And now the person had no idea what he did. And he comes back home. So like he figures it's a regular day and he walks into the door and he sits down. He's sitting on the couch or whatever, eating a banana. Uh, he doesn't understand that he's divorced or anything. So is this considered to be a kosher get or is this not considered to be a kosher get? Says the Ksav Sova, This person never knew the day was more. There's such a thing as a get. He doesn't know there's such a thing as anything. What does he know? He knows there's such a thing as a banana to eat. He, you know, he, this, this fellow, he, he has no, no Havana whatsoever. So is this get considered to be a kosher get or not? So he also went into the analysis of the Ramam and so forth, but basically settled upon the Maharit. He says, oh, look at what the Ramam wrote. The Ramam wrote that the Pesi, a person who's very feeble-minded, this is not a person who did Maishashtus, this fellow. This fellow's not walking alone at night. He's not sleeping in the basic clothes. He's not tearing his clothing. He's not destroying everything in his hands. He's not doing those things. He just is somebody who has a lunkhead. Um, so the question is, um, is this person puzzled? So this is a Pesi. Uh, Pesi. The Ramam says Pesi. One interesting thing that I noticed. The Ramam says uh, Pesi Biyose, right? When the Ramam talks about uh, the uh, halacha of uh, the person being uh, Pesel, uh, so, so he says, Hapesayim Shel Hapesayim Biyose. Um, so I noticed that everybody else, when they talk about it, they don't say Hapesayim uh, Biyose, and they just say Pesi. Uh, so what happened to Biyose? So I think that the idea is that most of the world's population are Pesayim. Uh, so, you know, I mean, how, how, how high is the, the IQ of your average person? So, uh, obviously, when we talk about Pessy, we mean Pessy and Beyoser. That's what we mean. Somebody's like a real, real, real Pessy. You know, it's really feeble-minded. So, uh, the, uh, so, so he so he said, why did the Ramon quote it only in Hilchazedu? So he says, obviously, because the person can't be trusted to testify, but those things that he's able to understand, um, so that would be that would be perfectly fine. He brings a raya from the Gemara Baba Basa, Kupnun Hay, this fellow who was less than 20 years old who sold his nechassim and they were trying to undo the transaction, those who were close to him. So they say, we're going to get rubber to undo the transaction. You're going to eat dates and you're going to throw the pits um, towards rubber, towards rubber's house to show that you're so crazy. And rubber said, oh, you're right. This fellow, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he really doesn't have a, this a sound mind to understand transactions. Then afterwards, they whispered to him, oh, no, you'll tell rubber uh, that, oh, you're writing this um, this star, um, uh, that, uh, the, and the star costs a zoos. You'll say, ah, how could the star cost a zoos when an entire Megillus Esther only costs a zoos? And Rabbi said, oh, I see that when people tell you what to say, you know what to say. So if you're able to figure out what to say when people explain it to you, so that makes you into a pikeach already. Then you're no longer in this category where your transactions would be no good. So we see that if you can explain to a pesi what to do and he can carry it out, you say, here are the steps that you have to follow in order to sell your house, your car, whatever it is, and he carries it out. He's able to follow orders, follow steps. He may be a pesi biyoser, but nonetheless, the transaction is still going to be valid. So what is the basic threshold? Well, I'll take the question a second. Let's just finish the, uh, the, the owner of the So he says, even uh, he has an arichus, and it's, it's hard to understand what he's adding in every single sentence. But the basic arichus is that as long as you explain to this fellow, he understands that through the get, she's going to be divorced, and then she's no longer going to be his wife, even if at the time that he explains to the sofer that he instructs him to write the get, um, he does not uh, understand uh, entirely um, that uh, the uh, that what he's ex- telling the sofer to do is to have him be divorced from his wife. He's just telling the sofer, oh, write something known as a get. Um, but he understands, he understood beforehand when you explain to him what the concept of a get is, 
that once the get goes to his wife, she's no longer going to be, she's no longer going to be his wife, even if at the moment that he actually tells the sofa what to do, he's just sort of um, uh, monotonously um, uh, carrying out uh, and uh, carrying out instructions without uh, knowing more than, oh, I'm telling this person to write, uh, to write a get. And he's just sort of going through, call it a mechanical process. Uh, nonetheless, since he was under the understanding beforehand that this is what happens at the end of the process, so that's considered to be good enough. That, that, that seems to be what he said. So the, the, the basic, and he says it like five times, but, but, the, um, but, but the basic point that he's making is it doesn't have to be a high level of das. It just has to be the ability of this person to say the right words, follow instructions, and when you explain to him, uh, before the beginning of the process, sort of what's going to happen at the end, even if he's not following every single moment, um, uh, so that's considered to be good enough. So even if he's not following every single moment, we don't say it's like he's going back into a psychotic state. A person becomes a shote between, so between the makom, uh, between the time in which he instructs the sofa to write the get and the time that he gives the get. So then uh, that would be somebody who was a pikeak, the get would be no good. But here he says it's not, he didn't become a, he didn't become nishtafe. He never become a shote. He just resort. He came back, went back to his feeble state. But since he was capable of having the understanding of what the get accomplishes, and he was capable of uh, telling the sofa to write the get, so that's good enough. Even if at the moment that he told the sofa to write the get, he wasn't fully understanding anything other than that he's saying the words write again. That, that's that, that. That's what he seems to say. So as a result, he says that there's a very low threshold. There's a very very low threshold. Um, the hayyada should get chorus. You know, he knew that a get does create a divorce. And he did, in fact, command the Soviet to write the get, even if those two things didn't perfectly mesh together. Um, and so he holds that that would be good enough. It's very interesting in all of these chugos, the post can work very, very hard to be matzah gudos. You see that? They work very hard to find the svarah lahakil, but they, they couldn't do it. If, if, if Meikah did, it wouldn't actually work. But he holds that there is this room to be Meikah with respect to Pesayim. This becomes very, very important because when you're dealing with the requisite level of mental state that a person needs to have in order to transact. So it's not, it doesn't have to be on such a grandiose level, but it has to be a basic understanding of what, um, of what the person, of what the person is doing. Now, your question. The question, the, the, the question I saw on the paper, the, the we're saying is not limited. The Psalm din is, is an absolute din, an absolute din when it comes to Edus. And when it comes to other things, it's case by case. Meaning when it comes to other things, it is possible for a Pesi to have the requisite das. He's not automatically mufka from other transactions, but it depends on whether he can have sort of a basic das of what he's doing. He doesn't have to have a high level das, but he does have to have sort of a basic das of what he's doing. Edus is completely uh, out of the picture. Aiders, because he doesn't have a high level das, we don't trust him to be an aid. But when it comes to doing a Kenyan, so if he can have even the most basic level das, so it is possible for him to do a Kenyan, but it depends. It depends on the, on the situation. If he has no understanding of what he's doing, so then it's no good. If he has some basic understanding, it doesn't have to be high level, but a basic understanding that he understands what's going on and what's going to be accomplished and he agrees to do it, so then it would be valid. Then it would be valid. Okay? So, so therefore, the absolute rule, only only applies to Edus. When it comes to everything else, it's case by case. It's case by case. Okay? Got it? Okay, very good. Um, so, 
you have to you, you you have to answer a lot of questions. What 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 direction was it facing? This way, that way, up, down, how high up in the sky, and so forth. So, 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 so goes in, that goes into it. All ages could be off limits with respect to it. All, all ages could be off limits. Yeah. So, so again, the main raya, the main raya from the Rambam is that the Rambam only mentioned Pesi as being automatically disqualified in the realm of Hilchos Edus. He did not bring Pesi in the realm of any of his discussions with respect to Hilchos Gittin or with respect to Hilchos Mechira. Yeah. That's so that's what we're talking about. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody with a very light, low IQ. Well, why would you, why that would be a pessimist. Either somebody with a very low IQ or somebody so who, for based on various based on various circumstances, well, is just so not functional. No, we're mechalic because when it comes to edus, the person it, is not able to have a full understanding of what types of things contradict other things and so forth. And we require well, a, higher level, a higher level, a higher level does when it comes when it comes to Adus. Adus requires a, a higher level of presence of mind than your standard day to day transactions. But but that's the interpretation of the Rambam. You can interpret the Rambam differently. But but I'm saying this is the Maharit. Not everyone agrees with the Maharit. Um, yeah. So there are two things. Defining, okay, I'm going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you two things. Nowhere else either. That's, no, but 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 he mentioned Shota in other places. He's defining Shota only here. So? No, no, no. But 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 he mentioned Shota in other places as well. Um, so the reason why he's, he's not yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he mentions if Nechba in other places. He probably. He probably, he probably does. I, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. He probably does. You can do a search to see if the Rama mentions the Nikhba in other places. He probably does. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. I'm sorry. Is passing only a developmentally limited? It could be a dementia as well. It could be all of these different things. In fact, the one who applies um, the, uh, the category of Pesi um, to a dementia is Rav Zalman Nechemia. Actually, Rabbi Willig uh, can, you know, uh, talk to this because there was a chuva that Rav Zalman Nechemia wrote to Rabbi Willig um, regarding a situation where a uh, person had, uh, had dementia. Uh, and uh, it was a, a question of the husband who is uh, giving, a, uh, giving a get to his wife. And it was in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And the question was, uh, did he have uh, the relevant, the, the requisite das in order to be able uh, to, uh, in order to be able to give, uh, to, to give the get? So there as well, he said that it's very much a case by case of determination because the person who already is in the early stages of Alzheimer's, so he's not a shota, but he's a pessi and that he doesn't have a high level of understanding. He forgets things very, very quickly and so forth. Um, uh, so uh, therefore he says, you have to just uh, see whether it does he have like the only yontiv standard. Does he understand that the that the get is going to divorce his wife? So if he understands uh, that uh, the inyan of the get 
and he understands that, that the, through the giving of the get, he's thereby going to be divorced from his wife. So that is a going to be good enough. If he doesn't have a, that basic uh, understanding, um, so then even though he doesn't do any maishashtus and he's not considered to be in the gather of a shotep, um, so then it would not be, um, so then it would not be good. But he does have to have this basic understanding that, that the get is, that through the get, his wife is going to be divorced, uh, is going to be divorced from him. Um, and um, he says that uh, basically that this is uh, the, the the standard of the owning yontif. Um, but because of the case of the fact that it's a case by case determination, says a person might be understanding of one thing but not another thing. You might have a pessy, like a person they used to call it retarded. Now what's it called now? Developmentally disabled. Um, so if you have a that, that wasn't when I was growing up, that's what it was called. It wasn't. It's not considered a nice term anymore. Maybe maybe it was never a nice oh, term. No, it was more than but, the word retarded just means delays. Right. So some of people never advance. Okay. So they switch not just because of Greg, it's because they find it, 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 it probably wasn't, it wasn't precise either, right? It wasn't precise right. either. Oh, so if you had a person who, let's say, is developmentally disabled in this particular fashion, so in certain, you might determine the person understands, for example, what kiddushin means, to get married. Because that's like an exciting thing, oh, we're going to get married, so they understand. But divorce is more complicated. So a person might understand getting married, but not understand getting divorced. So therefore, Rav Zalman always felt very strongly, not everyone listens to him when, when it comes to this, but he wrote about this and he, and he repeated this over and over again. Uh, but he felt very strongly that people with developmentally disabled should not get married. Because he says it could be that they will have the requisite mar- the das to get married, so it's considered to be a marriage in the Torah, um, but they don't have the requisite das to understand what divorce is about. And therefore, if it doesn't work out, they'll never be able to get divorced. So he ha- he felt very strongly that they shouldn't get married. It's very interesting. He, he really had a sheet about this. It's because of the fact that it's so much a case by case when it comes to, to these things. Now, the other thing about the Ramam, besides the placement, and I understand what you're saying, but the other thing uh, about the Ramam is that he does conclude when he talks about the, about Pesi in the context of Hilchas Eidus, um, he does say that, uh, as I mentioned before, that it's very, very nuanced. So the Ramam kind of also tips his hand a little bit. And he says this is something that really will require a case-by-case analysis. Through that wording of the Ramam, you get the sense that defining somebody as a pessi in different areas, in different circumstances, in different you know types of mental states, um, is something that's going to vary from case to case. And it's going to be very. And it's going to be very nuanced. Yeah, I, I, so you want to say the same thing with respect to Aegis, and I hear, I am, we're not talking about Aegis right now, but, but, but the assumption is since he put it in Aegis, so therefore in, in Aegis he felt it was more off limits, and maybe there's something else as well with respect to Aegis, and that's why you asked your question, but, right, 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 I, I understand the question, but it could be that Aegis is always on a much higher level. Aegis comes with Bisha, Hakiva, Bidika, it's, 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 it's a higher level of Das that they're less likely to have, the, the, the less likely to have. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and maybe that's why he bought it in Adis also to, to, to say that uh, in general, Adis is going to be, I understand, but it could be that he puts it in Adis also. You could say, no, you could say, don't blame me, blame the Marit. But he says that he puts it in Adis um, because that's that's where, you know, they're clearly off limits. Look, the, the Sam Sofik is a different uh, terrorist as to why he put it uh, in Adis because he says that that's the one case where the um, the Kherish is um, not exactly disqualified for the same reason as a pesi. So he gives a different, a different explanation. Yeah. Right, okay.
This is the only that this is the only the only case in all of Mishnah Torah that he mentions Pesach. At least uh, according, right, yeah, the only the only case. Okay. No, Nechba he puts it because Nechba is an example of Shulter. Right. He says, but but Nechba is different from uh, let's say a Shulter who Shulter all the time because Nechba is 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 the example of Itim Cholam Itim Shulter. Okay, good. Right, now, yeah.
Um, so therefore, he felt that you could be maker, but his Kiddush was that as long as the person can hold it together during the get the process, so he felt that, that that would be good enough. So now let's just talk about our Sabah situation. So the Maharsham really sets uh, the, uh, the basic, uh, the basic standard. If you look at uh, the Chuva of the Maharsham, which I have in the materials, which is Yud base page five. So he says he's dealing with a person who uh, gave away, um, their possessions in a particular fashion, which was not according to the laws of Yerusha. And she was sick before, before she died when all of this happened. Um, so, and when she was, when she was disposing of her assets in the peculiar fashion that she did, um, so the Aiden were a little bit unclear. She understood what she was doing. But when they asked her, she just said, Hain. And, uh, you know, sometimes a person says, yes, just to kind of be polite. Now, like, like when I'm asking that like we do the Hakiris, uh, Sofer Ve'edim, after we write again. So they're always paying perfect attention. So like, oh, which question was I answering yet? So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, people just say, hey, you know, say, say, okay. Doesn't necessarily mean, so it's a little, a little bit unclear. And also, she said something at the same time. She said, uh, something about, uh, that she's gonna give the Skartirka for something to somebody and it wasn't really relevant. It wasn't like a, a true, um, a true thing. Um, because there was no Skartirchov or whatever she was talking about, some weird case. Um, so because of the fact that there was a Reyesa, she says that when there is a Reyesa, so then we have a Machlokis. We have a Machlokis between the Marival and the Prichadosh in the Simenkov Kvalaf of Hilkos Gitin. Um, and that is when I have a Stam Shchimera, Stam Shchimera, and he's disposing his assets in a particular way. Do I have a Chiyuk to be Bodek him? According to the Marival, meh. According to Marival, if there is no reyesa, like in the case in the Gemara where a person's giving a get, it's nishtatik, okay, there's a reyesa. But if this person's not nishtatik, they're just a sick person, they're not a shkimira, so it's not necessary to do it, to do a bedika. There are all kinds of lishonos that crept in over the years. Oh, I'm of sound, of eye of sound, mind and body, and blah, 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 blah. So it says, that's only l'shufa d'shtara, that we have all of those, you know, fancy lishonos. It doesn't mean anything. It's not a strict requirement. So he says that there is no um, even though there's a Yushami that says that even if a person is in Shtatik Bitocholyo, um, which is uh, considered to be like more understandable than when they're in Shtatik Bitocholyo, which is the case of the Gemara, you still have to be bodek them at least one time. And there's a Tosefta that seems to support that at the beginning of Parakeya of Mesechus Kitten. So he says that's all in cases of Nishtatik. That's all cases of Nishtatik, but otherwise we assume person is perfectly fine. It says that because it's not true. You look at the Tosefta, the Tosefta says you have to be bodek the person. Um, if they're nishtatik, or if they're just a chole, even if the person just sick, even before you get to the word nishtatik, um, the Tosefta says that you have to be bodek the person at least uh, at least once. So the Pichadah shows that you can't assume that a disposition of uh, the shkimira is going to be good uh, unless the, the um, uh, unless the person uh, actually is uh, is examined, unless the person is actually checked. Um, so that, therefore, we have this machlokus between the Pichadah and the Maribah. but the Maribah, also was Mekel in his case because the dispositions that the Shechemera made were, it's a very good phrase, it made sense. It made sense, the, the amount, the, the, what the person was giving and to whom the person was giving it, based on the relationship with the people, based on what had been given to these people in the past, based on the assets that the person had, it made sense. So because of the fact that the disposition, the disposition itself made sense, and there was no reyasa otherwise in the Marival holds that there is no bidika that is otherwise necessary. It's a funny machlokis. Marival and Pichadish machlokis. And Simon Kofkopal, because it's a, it's a funny machlokis because the Ramah passed in this. And so I don't know the Pichadish say I'm arguing with the Ramah. You look in Hilkosh Shkimira in Simon Kupnun in Choshim uh, Mishpat. 
The, the Ramah says explicitly, a Shechimera where there is no Reyesa, where there's nothing that seems to be wrong with his mental state, you don't have to be bodek him. And the fact that we have uh, these Lashonas that we use is only Shukta Shtaris, so the Ramah says. It's kind of a funny thing. There's no Fichadosh on Chosh so he couldn't comment on, on, on that Ramah. But uh, it, it does, it's, it, it's, it's a peculiar thing. But there's a question mark. It seems, uh, you look at the, what? I mean, he's allowed to disagree with the Ramah, but I'm saying, He's a but he doesn't say in Hilchas Gittin. He doesn't say, "Oh, and by the way, I'm disagreeing with the Ramah and Chol He doesn't say that. Like, I'm aware of the Pichodesh, but 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 if there's an explicit Ramah, it's an explicit Ramah. You figure that the Pichodesh would reference it. That's what I'm saying. Is it like the Maharibal is consistent with the Ramah, and the Pichodesh is not? And all everyone who discusses the subject of do you have to check out somebody when they're on the deathbed and they make a will? They all mention Machlokas Maribam Pichadosh. They don't very only occasionally somebody will will cite the Ramah, but the Ramah says explicitly like the um, like the Maribal. In any event, the uh, what? I'm sorry. Yeah, she 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 didn't have. Um, it was it was a question of it was a question of a major charitable gift. Uh, many of the cases have to do with major charitable gifts, whether there was some sort of an undue pressure by the heads of the charity, the people who are associated with the charity to get the person to give this major charitable gift. That, that, that was the case over here. The, 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 the circumstances were a little bit peculiar because it didn't sound like she was disinheriting her husband. The husband would have it until his death and then it would go to the charity. It didn't, it didn't sound like there was anything... It didn't sound like there was anything scandalous going on. The case was peculiar. It didn't sound like the only thing that was that the husband wouldn't have the ability to decide on his own to take these assets and give it to somebody else at the, at the time that he died. That, that, that seemed to be the only, um, the only reyasa. But I guess that, that's, that's still a reyasa. So says the, um, says the Maharsham um, that because of the fact of that in this case, um, she, was, uh, she mentioned things, even as she was saying yes to the disposition, she was mentioning some a pie in the sky, a dream that she had about Schartirch or something that, that didn't make any sense. Gam Marival Even the Marival would agree that this Tzaba, where everything's going to go to this charity after her husband's death, even the Marival would agree that, uh, that it's not enforceable. Because if you look at the Marival, it makes good sense what the Marisham is saying. Because the Marival says that one of the reasons why he assumes it's not a Reyesa is because there was nothing peculiar about the nature of the gift. If something would be peculiar about the, the nature of the gift, so then um, that uh, would uh, change um, that would change the equation on some uh, on some level. Um, now, this uh, the, the general approach in the Marival, there is no Reyesa, so that's consistent with the Chuvas Haritva. It's very interesting. It already goes back to the um, the Chuvas uh, to the Chuvas Haritva. If you look at source um, twenty three, Chav Gimel on page uh, on page ten. So uh, here as well, the, the uh, person uh, made a, a will. And um, at the um, uh, it was without any kind of uh, bedikah. So he says, "Stam shkimira daito tzilsihi." Stam shkimira. We assume that uh, there isn't anything uh, to uh, be um, uh, to, to be worried about, even if the person is only asking, answering questions, as long as they don't do it in a fashion that's like a race, like in the Marasham's case, gamazel ein lachos, because we have the Gemara and Baba Basa kuflam and gimel, where the person's a shkimira. The amir nitzay l'man dimul l'palmiyah. Do you want to give your nechasim to the following person online? Ever l'elaman. If not Paul, you then to whom? So if uh, the way he responds, you know, it's just answering the questions, but he answers the questions in a way that sounds intelligent. Um, so then you can rely, uh, you can rely upon that, uh, that as well. But the Tashpates, there was Shishal Suchu was the Tashpates, two of them. Chavdan Nechopei, Chelek Aosim, Yudgimon, Chelek Yudgimon, Simon, Kop Samach Zayin. Um, so he makes uh, the point that if there is some sort of a psal, or there is some sort of a question, 
Um, namely, that there's Tira Fadas, that's in the first Shuvah, or the second, the things that he's commanding don't make any sense. He's saying the following person owes me money, but he really owed that person money. Um, and, um, and he says uh, as well that, that um, I have um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the following amount of money in the following place in my uncle's home, and the uncle really had stuff in his home. So everything was topsy-turvy and everything was, um, what was, what, what, what was mixed up. Um, so he says that, that if that's the case, so then it really is going to require a, um, it's going to require a bedika. That bedika can even be with the nurses who attend to this individual to find out from them what the state of the mind of this individual. He says you can even rely upon that standard of evidence asking the, the, the nurses and the social workers, the nashim and mishamshos also in hikbid cholyo and the things of that variety. But he says that if at the end of the day we're not able to be bodek properly, um, uh, so then we say that ain't topic and the nechassim are going to be the kasson. So that's also going to be a very important standard with respect to um, with with respect to making these um, these determinations. Now, sometimes a person will make a particular disposition, then they're going to change their mind and say, "Oh, well, I'm going to change it." So is that appropriate? Is it appropriate that um, I know uh, as a yorish? That my um, that, that a particular disposition was one way, and now I'm going to influence my uh, my relative um, that they're going to give more money to me. I remember I had a great aunt who had like millions of dollars um, because of uh, the fact that she uh, and her husband didn't have any children, and my father used to take good care of her, and we'd bring her. She had an apartment in the Bronx, and he'd bring her to stay with us for a few days at a time, and she didn't have any other bro- you know relatives, at least from her um, from her husband's side. She was she was close to other than us. I knew it was millions of dollars. She also had a niece um, from her own side. She was married to my uh, to my great uncle, but she had a niece from her side who was like disabled, and uh, her will probably said that she was going to give most of her money to take care of this niece, which is perfectly fine. So at one point in time, she came to me and she said, "You know what? I really think that I want to change my will." She was like ninety five years old at the time. I really want to change my will. I know you're a lawyer. Um, you know, could you help me change my will? And I said to her, "You know, there are very good people who are lawyers and so forth, and I can refer you to somebody, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it with a relative because I feel like, yeah, it's not going to look. You're not going to look good. Not going to look good. No gay or whatever. So I, so, so, so I never did it. And she never changed the will. And the will like gave all of the money away to this other uh, individual, um, which she probably didn't want to do in the end. She probably wanted to give you know more money to our side of the family. But I just you know you don't want to get involved with anything that would sound uh, like uh, like hanky panky uh, to take advantage of an old elderly woman." Um, it's fine. I got like my great uncle's paintings, whatever. Okay. So the, um, <laughs> so the, the, the question is, um, is it appropriate that, that you know, you, you, you figure that there's a nice pot of gold over here. Maybe I can get involved a little bit. So there was a journal. There's a journal called the Chaibahem journal. Um, and then 30 years ago, the year So they did like a forum, like a symposium. They reached out to various post game about, undue influence with respect to, to people who are, you know, feeble and old and so forth. Is it appropriate or not uh, to, 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 to influence them to change the will? When is it valid when it's not considered to be valid or not? So the Menashe Klein, the famous Ungarsha, but Menashe Klein uh, responded and he said, I don't know what you want from me exactly. We have rules and regulations about tell you, Bezobin, you are going to like press somebody to uh, do a transaction. So generally it's considered to be valid um, unless they're Muslim, they, they, they do a Mesivas Modah. If it's a gift, so it's a gift, though. So the halacha is, if we know that there was only involved, there was improper influence, and then it's not going to be valid. It's an esivus amishba. Says it's not valid. If it's an umdana, so then it's not going to. It's good to be valid. We know that there's an umdana of, of, of pressure and so forth. But he says that, that we have a, a gemara in a Baba Basra that's a sugi and kufnun aleph from an aleph that talks about a, a sister of Tuvi bar matana that she wrote all of her nechassim to Rav Tuvi bar matana in the morning, and then in the afternoon the other brother Rav Chadbavi. Uh, came and he, st- and he entreated her 
Will you please then not give it to her, but give it to, to, to me. What? He's like a Tamachok and I'm not a Tamachok. People are going to say that you gave all your money to him because he's a bigger Tamachok than me. She said, oh, you're right. I'll give the money to me and to you instead. So he said, we already had a case before and where a person changed the, the matan in the middle. Um, because you'll add that that's the halacha, um, that, of Shmuel, a shkimira is allowed to, 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 to change the matana. Even if they already gave it, they can change their mind, change their mind to keep it, or change their mind to give it to somebody else. Even Lacherim says the Gemara is perfectly good. So why give this other case? So he says, it must be that we gave this other case in order to teach you of this principle, the Kahaigan, the Lake Isur, uh, that, that is, that it's okay, uh, to press uh, your relative a little bit to, to give the money to you instead of to the other Yorish. So he says, no, maybe that case was different. And I like this maybe. He rejects the maybe. He says, not clear. He says, maybe this case was different because she did an avla to begin with. Because what, she had two, she had two brothers. Why give all of the money to one brother as opposed to the other? She should have given to them 50-50. So this brother figured that there was an avla. I need to correct the avla. Now, a better way to correct the avla would say split it 50-50. But he corrected the avla by saying, give all the money to me instead. But at least it was corrected to correct an avla. So says, therefore this case wasn't considered to be an avla. Um, nonetheless, even if it wouldn't have been to correct an avlov, Shaini says that maybe we see from here, maybe we see that it's not such a bad thing for a Yorish to like push his agenda. I don't know, I consider this, I don't know, I'm not 100% sure. I, I hear his point, maybe it's to correct an avlov, but to say that you're going to, you know, take advantage of something. Now, it wasn't that this person was necessarily feeble. Um, so he says, if the person is feeble, so that's a, um, that's a potentially a, um, a different story. Um, but he says that if the person was not feeble-minded and you just happen to convince them to change their will towards the end of their life, you can't say undue influence. Look about their mishpat. Our laws are not their laws. Our laws are not their laws. That's what he says. So, you know, they, the, the secular courts have this thing of undue influence. We don't have undue influence. We just have Tayu Vizovin. Was it Tayu Vizovin? Was it not Tayu Vizovin? It was Tayu Vizovin. It was really onus and it was a, a matana. Okay. So then there's what, um, then there's what to discuss. That's a different, different story. But otherwise, if it's just, uh, cajoling somebody, he didn't think that that would necessarily be a, um, um, be a problem. So he says, and you also asked, is it appropriate? Maybe we should see that there'd be an apotropist that would handle the person's financial mass towards the end of their life. So at the end, he says, um, he says, who made up that we should be an apotropist just because somebody is old? Only if the, we have misupak, if the person shuffled the das, asla bezin lako bedavakol efsher. Only then do we get involved. But otherwise we're not supposed to, uh, otherwise we're not supposed to get involved. So that's a very interesting take from Menashe Klein. I'm guessing that the Business Halacha Institute in Source 22 was basing themselves a little bit on Menashe Klein, but I didn't really like their presentation so much. It says an elderly gentleman spends the last, the final years of his life in a nursing home in his will, which was drafted shortly before his death, that he left a significant bequest to a member of the staff. The cared for him during his final days, as opposed to his family. His family was naturally quite upset, and it suspected the staff member had abused their position of power and influence over the increasingly feeble patient. Duh! What are the halakhic factors involved in asserting claims of undue influence? So he says, well, eh, question of Tayyub is and so if the, if it, what emerges, if at the time of the transaction, the coerced person had conscious and deliberate intent to sell an item, the sale is valid even if it rose out of duress. Now what they don't say is that a tzava is presumably more similar to a matana than it is to a mecher. So even if so, if it was done out of duress, so that would be a problem if it was a matana. But then they go further. It seems like they actually address this. They say, no, we think it wasn't necessarily a matana. Why? It wasn't necessarily a, a matana. Why? Because in the case at hand, if the testator believed that by providing the staff member with a bequest, he would obtain better quality service. Ah, oh, now it's a mechel all of a sudden. That must be what they're getting at. 
he's essentially buying himself service and the bequest would be valid. So I don't know, maybe that's true if the person was like giving a little trinket to the person who was like, you know, taking care of him and said, here, I got you like a little, you know, watch in the store, or I got you like a little, you know, bracelet um, that you can enjoy, but he's going to give half of his estate to that individual. I don't know that that's just buying extra service. I think it's exorbitant. It has to be something which is reasonable under the circumstances. It falls into the category of what we uh, mentioned um, within the Maria, Marie Ballet, um, that it has to be, uh, something which is, what was the phrase that we used? It has to be something which is reasonable under the circumstances. And if you're giving a major portion of the estate, I don't think that's necessarily reasonable under the circumstances. I'm not like so incredibly impressed by that, but you see from the conclusion of the way in which they describe this, that basically there, this is based on a contempt for civil law. Ah, that, um, but there are very significant legal protections concerning undue influence. It's a prominent aspect of many will uh, contests, but it's a, but undue influence is a very weak halakhic argument. And they explain because halakha works differently from a civil law. Civil law creates limits and protections. In contrast, kosher mishpah focuses on strict rights and obligations. I have no idea what this means without incorporating other uh, outside factors and considerations. What do you mean? Of course, we, we, we take into account um, undue uh, influence and uh, taking advantage of a person's people mental state. That's exactly what uh, the, the Maharsham was talking about. He says, if there's a, if there's a reyesa in the picture, so that's something that, of course, we would take into consideration. So I don't really understand that at all. One person who did take this into consideration was Sri Ben Yaakov, the Dayan that we're familiar with from Tel Aviv. So he has an article in which uh, he dealt with a situation in which a person was in a nursing home. And while they were in the nursing home, uh, so there were two elderly people who were visiting a friend of theirs, and this is in Source Chup Al on page nine. And they were cajoled by like a few people who were visiting some other sick person. Oh, come here. We just want you to sign a document. It's like when we had some of the rabbis who went on a trip to Germany once, um, some retired RCA rabbis. And they said, oh, it's such a nice trip. There's these people, they pay for the trip. And at one point they said, oh, oh come, you're going to visit this best. And we want you to do a couple of gavers for us. Oh, they were so nice. you know. So um, it was the same same exact picture over here. So these people said, oh, come on, you just sign a document. And they signed the document. And then afterwards, one of them says to the other, you know, I'm not sure this person really knew what they were doing. Maybe we really shouldn't have signed this thing. We didn't really read it. We didn't know what was going on. Basically, the document said the person's giving away all their money to this particular charity that was um, essentially run by these individuals who were like, you know, laughing and joking with this individual and saying, yeah, you just signed this document. Ha, ha, ha. This is really great. And they got them to, the guy got this person to sign basically all their money away to this particular charity. And one of the people said, well, the rabbi who was visiting him said that this is a mitzvah for me to sign this document. So I, what did I know? Um, I said, now the witnesses who signed this wanted to recant that they said, we're not sure anymore that he was of a, that he was a sound mind. And the doctor who was treating this person in the nursing home said, I can tell you for sure. I am sure this person was never of sound mind. The entire time that he's been in the hospital, he hasn't been of sound mind. Um, so the question was, and they said, oh, he's only an eight echo, the doctor. Going, going back and forth. So Sri Ben Yaakov said that, that we have uh, the sugi that we just quoted in Baba Basu, a person who's a shkimera gives away their assets, and then uh, they give away their assets, then they change their mind, they give it to somebody else, they're able to do that. Um, so uh, can, they, uh, can they undo it? It's a, it's a, it's a shaila whether that can also be done with respect to hektish. That's the chuba of, 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 of Taub, um, which was, um, what did I have? That's the chuba by, by Taub. I have on source your test on page seven. Woman was a shkimira. She gave her diwasa, the matana to a mosa yeshiva because of pressure that was placed upon her. 
And then when people realized what happened, they said, oh, you better undo it. And she gave it to her only Yorish. So he quotes in Arach HaShokhan and says said that even when it comes to Hekdesh, it's a suffix in the Gemara and Dafkuf Memches and Baba Basra. But even when it's a, it was given to Hekdesh, you can still, uh, you can still, uh, retract uh, the original, uh, transaction. And uh, therefore he says that in this case, it was appropriate for the transaction to be uh, retracted. But in this case, um, that, um, the, the question is that I have Adim, that I have Adim who signed on this, um, who, who signed on this document. She, it wasn't retracted because the person wasn't of sound mind to now do a new Yerusha. So do we say that Adem can recant their testimony when as a general rule, Adem can say, oh, Anusim Hayinu, or things of that variety, or Psuli Edus Hayinu, etc., etc., because the Pesha also Pesha Yitir. But it's not true of Tzav Yodin Yosim Mokom Acher, but the Shach in Simon Mem Gimel, Koshim Mishpan Sifkat and Yutes, um, says that, and the Yorcha Shochem Paskins the same way, um, it says that even if it's Tzav Yodin Mokom Acher, if it's a toast, Shasuyim Edem Litos. A type of mistake that Adem will frequently make, so then they're allowed to recant the testimony afterwards. And take a look; this is brilliant. So it says what Yehuda ben Yaakov about eight lines before the end. This question of whether the person who is making the will was of sound mind. We're talking about somebody who's sick; he's in a nursing home. We're not talking about somebody who's living at home and is self-sufficient. That might be a different story. That might be the true Saritva, the Maribal, that the assumption is everything is fine. Here the person's in a nursing home. You have a doctor saying the person is not of their sound mind. This is a case where Aiden will often be fooled into thinking that the person can uh, actually knows what, what they're doing when they're signing, and they don't. This is a general, in the, in the close cases, that's what I assume he means, in the close cases, the cases that are sort of on the fence, only the doctors can really make this evaluation and not, you know, your stam, stam individuals. So therefore he said that we go back then the chasim heim chasan and we assume that this gift was not, um, was not considered to be a valid gift. This is in contrast to this case of this weird, weird, weird case of the batik din of abadiyim, a base at the end, bottom of page chaf carrying over to the page of, uh, source chaf on the bottom of page seven carrying over to page eight. The rabbanim were rabbin shimon, rabbazos and rabdum. It was a two to one vote. Two to one vote. I think Radum was the dissenter, where uh, there was a person who uh, said this, this person was not in a nursing home. The distinction is the person was not in a nursing home, but he lived all alone. He lived all alone. This person, and he just had some daughters, basically. Um, but uh, before he died, uh, there were a group of rabbis that uh, came in and got him to sign a document to do a last will and testament. The last will and testament basically said that I'm giving away all of my money to a particular Mossad. Um, that is going to be a Karen Mishem Saba Kadisha Mishapola. It's going to be for the Kadisha Mishapola Talmud of Baal Shem Tov. It'll be a fund that will uh, take care of uh, celebrating his yurt site and his legacy and there'll be Malava Mankas and all the money is going to go for this particular purpose. And my daughters are going to get a, uh, a total of, um, 100, um, uh, what does he say? Uh, one, 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 one of my sisters will get $10,000 and my two daughters are going to get a hundred, um, shkalim each. A hundred shkalim each, even in those days. What? Well, not a lot of money. A hundred shkalim. Um, so even though shkalim hadashim, I don't care shkalim hadashim, not a lot of money. Um, so the daughters were up in arms and said they, they should just follow the normal rules of Yerusha. This is, this is absolutely crazy. Um, so the, uh, Manali Karen, the ones who ran this Karen for the Saba Kadisha Mishpola, 
um, said that um, they, they think that he was perfectly fine, but the daughters say he wasn't in his right mind. Um, he was a shote. He was a divorced man who lived alone for, for tens of years. Um, and he was not, he did not have any real contact with the outside, uh, in the outside world. And there was undue influence. That was, um, that was applied upon him by these other people who wanted this money to go to this, uh, to this Karen. And therefore, they felt it should be undone. So the Bezdin did a drisha b'chakiva about all this. And they said, look, so one of the person who was one of the Menalim, who was there, who got him to sign this document, was Mendel Shafran. So I, it's not clear if it's a diva of Mendel Shafran or a div, I assume it's a different Rav Mendel Shafran. I don't know, it's a little bit weird. But anyway, so they have this, uh, this, this back and forth with Rav Mendel Shafran. And he says, look, I told him it wasn't really right what he's doing to take away the nakala from the, the doors, which is what he wanted to do. And anyway, who I am, Nechad Shashpul is either. He was the, uh, he was a grandson, a grandson. Would have had to be the great, 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 great grandson, um, of the Shapola, the Shapola Zaida. And also his entire life, he was involved with, with the, with, with the Shapola Zaida. And this was like something that gave him a chiyas. Um, so, uh, the, um, the other said, what are you talking about? Well, this fellow is a Michigana. Musa, he's a, he's a, um, and you can't uh, trust anything that, that, that he would have done because he was in a gather of a, of a shota. And he quotes, the Maharit that says that, that even if a person is essentially a shote, the Raman was only talking about Indian Eidos, um, but with Gitin and Kiddushin and other things, a, a person can understand what they're doing. So therefore, maybe it wouldn't matter if it was a shote. It's a little bit odd because the Maharit wasn't talking about a shote. The Maharit was talking about a pesi. Um, so that part of the decision I found a little bit uh, peculiar. Um, but anyway, look at the last paragraph. The last paragraph on page nine. So I mentioned the Maharit. Even if there was a basis to say that he was a shote, so he still could understand what he was doing with Kenyanim. You can't say that he wasn't a shafar b'daito because the Rav Shafran said that he understood what he was doing. In other words, he's saying it was within the realm of reasonable for him to give all the money away. They came from that line. And he was therefore he was very involved. So he was a mishigna. Just means he was obsessed with this. Um, so even though they said shemanochi yam mishigna, imamima say is that tapok or shemanoch? The shote is going to make him into a shote. So you say somebody is very preoccupied and obsessed with something. You say he's a mishigna. They also dover. Look, I'm a rabbi. Misifah goes to luyam mishigayim. Vayilam iskayim. The rabbi says if not for the mishigayim, the world wouldn't be alive. I don't know exactly where the rabbi says it. So the person that the Rama mentioned, it would be nice if they gave him Mokha. So, um, so do we say that, uh, that, that when the Rama says that the world is kept alone because of those who are the Shugayim, for whatever, um, that uh, therefore uh, that they're considered to be Shotim, Chas Shalom, um, and uh, therefore uh, they uh, they rejected the claim. There's no suffix whatsoever over here. So I don't know. I guess what they have going for this part, I'm not sure. But what they have going with respect to this particular psaac was that the person was not in a nursing home and that he did already have a connection with a Shisaba Mishpola. So you have to look at, you know, kind of the, I guess, amalgamation of all of the, um, of all of the different, uh, different circumstances to, um, to figure out uh, whether it makes sense to uphold the gift, um, and the tzavah, or change the tzavah, whether it doesn't make uh, sense to uphold the gift of the change of the tzavah. Well, the Mitzvah Choshen, um, which I'm not going to go into at great length because we're already running late, but he summarizes all of this very, very well, uh, and this is Kedai to read, uh, just sort of like a bottom line, um, like, uh, Kedarko Bakodish, I have a few excerpts from Mitzvah Choshen, but the one I'll talk about, 
now is a chafetes, where he simply says, um, and um, he um, and he quotes um, the machlokas between the Marival and the and the Prikadosh in his footnote, and he says that it really depends to a large degree on whether there's a reyesa. And look at his last paragraph. we follow the Ramah. So he quotes the Ramah. So I would say that if there's a suffix, even the Marival would probably agree with the Prikadosh. If there's a suffix, then you have to do a requisite uh, bidika. If uh, the person, Mamish, even before they get to the state of uh, where the people will take advantage of them, they obviously have to be guarded and watched over. And you have to appoint, like we had in the first source in the second suvis, that you would appoint for a shote, you would appoint a, uh, an apotropos. So he talks a great length on page 13. Um, I have the long Piscay about the various rules and regulations for an apotropos. And this comes, I get shyless about this. I'm sure everybody will does as well. So people want to know, what am I allowed to do with the assets? Somebody call me up. The other they're taking care of their elderly, very frail mother. She's beginning weaker and weaker mentally over the last three, several years. You know, it's a, it's a gradual decline. Some of these people are itim kolom, itim shote, they're, they're feeble-minded. Mamas, you see the, the, this, this application of pesi in actual, in actual practice. Um, so, um, so one question, the person, there was a big clothing drive. And the mother has like lots of beautiful dresses that people would really appreciate. He wanted to know, could I give away the dresses in the clothing drive? My mother will never, ever use them again. There's not a chance. She's so sick and feeble and she's bedridden and whatever. Um, so they asked me that question. And I said, yeah, but it's not, it's not yours to give away. It's only hers to give away. The basic rules are anything that they used to give away in the past, they gave a certain amount to stalker. You can still give it to stalker. They used to give them out a certain amount to their, 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 their children every single hog. Um, so you can still give away. You can assume you can follow the general practice that they did in the past. But you just decide you're going to, because of, of chesed, you're going to give away the stucker. They didn't give away. You're going to start giving away the clothing to other people. Says the Pesach Hoshim. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do it. Zaman Nechemia quotes from the halachas in Bayanapatropos in Simon Reish Sadi. You can give the hakel. You can sell things that belong to the person. The to just to take care of them, to 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 take care of their medication, to take care of their basic needs. Of alola haniach but not uh, for future purposes that aren't going to benefit them. Everything has to be uh, for purposes of just uh, benefiting, the, um, benefiting the party um, uh, that you're taking care of. Uh, so therefore, this is, uh, these, these are very, very important rules to prevent them from being abused. I knew a case, so we had a case in Chicago, a distinguished rub, distinguished rub, uh, where there were certain members of the family that got the, the rub to agree that he's going to be put in a nursing home somewhere. And uh, because when he was sort of in a moment of vulnerability and weakness, and then he got stronger and he realized he really didn't want to do it. So there was a very clever lawyer in town, and the lawyer actually videoed this person so that the video can show how 100% of clear mind he was. He says, I do not want to go to the nursing home. I want to stay right here and be taken care of. And he put the whole thing on video and, and, and wrote a, and signed a, another document, basically superseding the previous document. You have to be very, very careful. At a certain point, it's important for people to also appoint powers of attorney in terms of the, uh, the individuals they trust with the children or other individuals um, uh, to uh, be there to defend them and to protect them from undue uh, influence and things of that sort because there is a point in time in which people can be more easily uh, manipulated and in which uh, you do have uh, this sort of amorphous state, not quite shota, but pessy, and where uh, it's uh, not always going to be 100% clear um, that the person is of sound mind. But I, I have, um, I, I, I sort of codified a few basic principles that we take out of all of this. So I'll just say them very quickly. So number one, cloud number one, 
um, that um, uh, somebody um, who does acts of craziness on a regular basis um, is somebody that can't be relied upon for anything. And they're, they're maizim and not considered to be maizim, the kinyanim are not considered to be kinyanim. That's a basic uh, shota that we have. If we're dealing with somebody of a sort of a lower level, feeble-mindedness or depression and things of uh, that variety, so then it's very, very case-by-case specific, and that's a, sort of the category of um, the category of pesi. Um, number three, if there is a no, uh, when a person is disposing of assets and things of that sort, let's say they're an elderly person, if there's no reyes up, um, uh, so then, um, uh, the, um, uh, so, so then things uh, ca- generally are, are respected. But for somebody, um, who is, um, uh, who does have a reyes up, such as mental illness, or they're already in a nursing home setting, so then, uh, or they are giving an unusual gift or an unusual change of what had been a previous tzavah, so that would constitute a reyesa, and that would require a bedika, careful examination. The careful examination is not 100% dispositive that they really wanted to give the secondary gift or the strange sort of gift um, that, that they gave, so then we would say ukmin nechosim al cheskosan, and we're not going to, uh, and we're not going to change, uh, we're not going to change things. As far as undue influence being justified through toyu vizavin, that's only something that works when it's a mechira, but not when it is a matana. And to simply say, well, it's a mechira because you're giving it to the, uh, the healthcare worker from Nigeria who's taking good care of you. So then I would apply the principle of the, the maharival that it has to be within the realm of reasonable under the circumstances and not something which is uh, completely um, out of whack. Um, and um, when they're, uh, and it's only um, appropriate um, to effectuate a change regarding something that was previously done on Pipashtus um, to correct an avlo that had been committed, as Ramanasha Klein suggested, even though he didn't ultimately go with that suggestion, but I actually like that suggestion. I think that that makes a very good, very good sense, and I like that interpretation of the uh, of the Gemara as well. And finally, that there are very strict rules and regulations when caring for an incapacitated relative uh, or individual um, uh, that um, is um, um, uh, who is um, uh, who is who requires uh, somebody to make decisions uh, on their uh, on their behalf. Um, uh, that everything that is expended has to be on behalf of uh, that individual and not uh, for the purpose of others, um, other than to discharge chiyuvim towards others that the person may have otherwise had, or uh, to continue previous practices that the person may have had to contribute uh, to various causes and uh, and stockos, um, uh, but uh, the uh, but the assets of the individual should not be spent even for the yorshim um, while the individual in question is being cared for is still alive. And I'll stop there. Okay. Thank